turn with me, if you will, this morning to Philippians chapter 1. And this time, I want to draw your attention to verses 21 through 23. You'll see why very quickly, why it's right where we need to be. The Apostle Paul, of course, as you well know by this time, was incarcerated when he wrote this epistle. He was in jail. No, you know, obviously he was unjustly in prison, but he was there not because Caesar had put him there, but because, as he said, he was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was right where God wanted him to be, but that's where he was at when he wrote this. And he comes here to verse 21, and here's what Paul the Apostle said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I don't know. For I'm in a strait between two things, he says, having to des- a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Or to be with you, he told him, which is better for you. Paul said to die is gain. Now I admit that Paul the Apostle had a bit of a one-up on us because he had a foretaste of heaven himself. He kind of had a prelude, a little vision that he had. He got called there, you know. It's, uh, in his epistles to the Corinthians, Paul stated that he had been caught up to the third heaven. And there he had seen things that were so glorious that he told us that it would be unlawful for him to even try to describe it, to even speak of it. But death, my friends, is inevitable outside of the rapture. But outside of the rapture, it's inevitable. In fact, the Bible tells us that it is appointed. And if you've never read that, there back in Hebrews chapter 9, go back and read it and underline the word appointed. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. So every one of us sitting here, those of you listening to me by media or by radio, listen to me. You have an appointment with death. Are you fearing for that appointment? Are you afraid of it? That's the question this morning. Are you afraid of that appointment? The truth is man has a natural fear of death. And some of that natural fear, no doubt is because of our reluctance to leave our loved ones. I get that. I would have the same reluctance. God, in His great mercy, has given to each and every one of us some great relationships, beautiful relationships, friendships, those type of things. We cherish those things. Just the thought of being separated, really, from those whom we love and those whom we cherish and and are dear to us, it would seem like we're never really able or willing to let those things go. You've heard the term, hang on for dear life. You ever heard somebody say that? Hang on for dear life. And it really is kind of crazy when you think about it because we actually find ourselves doing that. Hanging on for dear life. I always found it interesting that even Satan, when he was talking to God in the book of Job there, he said, skin for skin. All that a man hath will he give to save his life. 
probably one of the only true things that he ever spoke. Now, it's not true with every person, obviously. A child of God should have a different experience than that. But in the world, people will do anything. They'll do anything. I remember ministering to a lady who was not right with God, unfortunately, and she was on her deathbed. This has been probably 35 years ago. And I'll never forget, I had another pastor with me, and as we were talking to her, she literally looked up at me within moments of her last breath, and she said, I'm just worried about who's going to have my couch. (laughs) You're laughing. I'm being dead serious. I know that sounds crazy, but this was that close to her death. And what was she, the pastor I had with me was actually my pastor, and and, uh, Frank Burlow, great old guy, he's home with the Lord now. And I'll never forget Frank waxing very brutally, brutally honest and blunt. And he said, lady, you better be concerned with your, who you're going to meet here very shortly. It's going to be a very small thing who winds up with your couch. But that's where she was at. Skin for skin, a man will do any, give anything to save his own life. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. Now, the rest of the fear of death that man has, in actuality, comes from his fear of the unknown. Men fear the unknown. They, they don't like what they cannot explain. Every time a man has ventured into uh, what he doesn't understand, uh, he always has been gripped by at least an element of fear. Christopher Columbus is a great example, even though there's people who want to eliminate him. He's a great example in the journeyings into the unknown. You know, plunging out into a, a sea of unknown. He had no idea what he was going into. He was looking for a shortcut to the Indies. But he had no idea how long it would take, how far it was, or whether or not they would even return. So there was this obvious apprehension, of course, on behalf of his men who were going with him because they were, there was just so many unknown factors in the journey. Now, for the unbeliever, for the person who is unsaved, there are many unknown factors concerning death. No doubt. This makes them fearful of it. But I would submit to you that if they actually knew what was actually awaiting for them, they would even be more so afraid and should be. But for those of us who believe, for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who have received the free gift of salvation through faith alone in Him. If we knew all, really, that awaited us after death, you wouldn't have any fear of death. Not one. If you really had a vision of what God had prepared for them that love Him. We would be more like the Apostle Paul in our text this morning, who said he was willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. There in verse 23, Paul was expressing his mixed emotions, you know. He had a great desire to be home with the Lord, which he said was far better. 
Yet at the same time, he realized that it would be more beneficial for the Philippians had if he just stuck around, you see, and, and helped them and encouraged them in the things that they spiritually needed. Now, in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul said that we who are in this body often groan. Whether you, you find yourself groaning this morning, I know I do. I groan. We who are in this body groan. He said, earnestly desiring to be freed from it. Not just so we can become a, an unembodied spirit, no. But our longing, he tells us, is for that new body, which we're going to have, which is created by God without hands eternal in the heavens. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that body. I really am. No pain. No, no fetters. No boundaries. It's going to be amazing. As I mentioned earlier, heaven was not unknown to Paul. Paul had a glimpse. As you remember, the Lord had allowed Paul to come up for a visit. Very cool. And to experience a taste, really, of the glories that awaited every believer. Paul was so enraptured by that vision that he longed for the day that he could return. Now, for those of you who know Peter John Corson, John Corson's son, pastors Calvary Chapel Applegate in Washington. Peter John, great guy, great kid. I, I really liked him a lot. And he suffered a lot in his life. Sicknesses of just about every sort. And I never forget, I was at a pastor's conference there at Murrieta years ago and when John had first went back to Costa Mesa and he put Peter in charge of, of uh, Applegate. And he was a young man. And I'll never forget, I was walking out of there and I put my arm around Peter John. I said, boy, you got some shoes to fill, brother. He said, don't I know it. He was a good kid. I really liked him. But he had many, many physical ailments that just, you know, beset him. And he wound up with, and I'm not sure exactly what the disease was, but he wound up on the operating table. And of course, those of you who know him know that he's home with the Lord now. He died last year and, uh, from cancer. But prior to that, about a year before that, he had been sitting on the table, and, and he had underwent an operation in which, the, my understanding is, he clinically died on the table. And Peter John said that during that particular episode that the Lord actually allowed him a glimpse, as he did the Apostle Paul, of heaven. Now, I'm, I'm skeptical about those. I have to admit to you, because I've heard so much bad teaching. You know, there's a, several books which I could name and probably ought to, but they're just wrong scripturally. But Peter John was most interesting to me. And what he said was that what he saw was so magnificent that, as the Apostle Paul said, it would have been unlawful for him to speak of it. But he said, but I, but I really prayed that God would just allow me one word that I could maybe get a glimpse and to express it to other people, what it was like. And he said, this is the only word I could come up with. It was fun. <laughs> Heaven was fun. was fun. Man. Heaven 
is going to be fun. I can relate to that. I believe that the Apostle Paul would have related to that. It's going to be fun. It's glorious, yes, to be in his presence, but at the same time, being in the presence of God is not only a glorious experience, it's fun. I love that. So often when we lead people to Christ, sometimes they think that they're being left out, you see. They're not going to be able to get to do certain things. Even on this side of heaven, I'm going, no, my friend. There's no funner life than a person who's walking in obedience to the Word of God, someone who really knows you know, and has embraced that relationship that we have through Christ and the Holy Spirit. Man, what a beautiful relationship that is. It's fun. It resonated with me. Matter of fact, yesterday we were celebrating and... I don't own a pool, but we had it. We got a pretty fairly nice little backyard, and all the kids that were over there, we did what I did when I was a kid because I was born and raised in California, man. And all my friends had swimming pools, but we had a sprinkler, <laughs> and I'm good with that, you know. You know, I was I was a trailer park kid, man. I, I grew up in a trailer park, and it was funny. But we put a, you know, the sprinkler, man. We had a blast. We'd be out there all day, just running through the thing in your shorts. There's nothing better. And to see those kids, they were laughing and they were having a blast, you know, just running through the sprinkler, having fun. You know, it was fun. Most of us can remember that. And, you know, engaging in fun when you were a kid. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. No doubt because he had had a foretaste of heaven. But let's not forget, it was also the Apostle Paul who wrote there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, but as it is written... I had not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has planned for those who love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit. Ah. Yea, all things he's revealed to us, even the deep things of God, it says. He has revealed it to us. So if you're a born-again believer this morning and filled with the, and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have a glimpse of heaven. That beautiful relationship, like I said, that we have with God through Christ, of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's great. There's an interesting passage in the book of Hebrews chapter 2. And Paul, of course, writing, I believe, he says, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, of course, he's, this is Christ speaking, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, Jesus Christ, likewise took part of the same, that through his death he might destroy the work, the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hmm. So the scriptures declare that the Son of God took on a body of flesh. And he was made a little lower than the angels in order that he might suffer death, the Bible tells us that through his death he might destroy the devil who had power over death. To free, to set free the people who 
lived in bondage all their life, he said, because of their fear of death. You remember in his closing to the letter to the Corinthians, Paul cried, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Then he said this, the sting of death is sin. You see, it was sin that brought death into the world. When Adam and his wife, you know, chose to walk in direct rebellion against the Word of God, he sat mankind on a course for destruction. God had warned them in the beginning that the day that they ate of the fruit of that tree that was in the midst of the garden, that they would surely die. Of course, they wound up listening to the hiss of the serpent who lied to them, who told them that surely God was not telling them the truth. No. God was not trustworthy in His Word. That God was not forthcoming for them, with them. And then that God was holding something back. It's the same lie that He tells the people today. Oh, don't trust the Word of God. Don't read that Bible. And if you do read it, don't obey it. Don't go by it. It's probably not all true. God's just trying to keep you back. From you. He's trying to keep something good from you. It's the hiss of the devil. You can hear that. It's what happened in the beginning. And of course, they listened to it. And so man fell. And they died. So... Falling for the serpent's ploy, if you will. Man ate of the forbidden fruit and they immediately experienced spiritual death. The loss of fellowship with God. Because God is a spirit, the Bible tells us, and those that worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit. It's not a, it would be nice if you did. It's a must. In the book of Romans, Paul said, for <clears throat> by one man, Adam, Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now Adam's sin not only brought immediate spiritual death, but it set in motion what we in science call the second law of thermodynamics. What's that? Well, let me tell you. The second law of thermodynamics is pretty simple. It simply means that all things are winding down. All things are decaying. It's really not hard to understand. All things may move from a state of perfection to one of corruption. They move from a state of infancy to a state of geriatricy. Thus people began to fear growing old and dying. Because we know that that is the order in which it happens most of the time. People fear it because they don't understand it. But God, the Bible says, laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thus Jesus Christ died for us, taking away our guilt and the penalty of our guilt. The fact that we were once sinners, sinners, 
before we came to Christ no longer means that we must spend eternity in hell as those who do not believe. Totally separated from God. Quite the opposite. Now it means that we get to spend an eternity with God and Jesus Christ and enjoying the glories of the kingdom of God and, as Peter John said, I think, having fun. I like that. Now, if I had no assurance, if I had no assurance, my friends, of eternal life in Jesus, I too would be fearful to grow older knowing that I have an inevitable appointment with death and the unknown. I would fear the painful sting of death. But the sting of death has been removed. God has declared me innocent. And if you're in Christ, He's declared you innocent through Jesus Christ. He has declared me forgiven. And if you're in Christ, you're forgiven. And the one I love the best is He has declared me justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And if you're in Christ, you're justified also. People always tell me, but Doug, I, you, you don't know what I've done. It don't matter. Are you in Christ, my friends? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you still fearful of death? And if you're in Christ, you need not. Thus, any person who has experienced the forgiveness, the justification, and the sanctification of Jesus Christ and what He's done for you, pouring out the Holy Spirit on you, you too, this morning, should be able to say to, for, to be in Christ is to live. For me, it is Christ. That is life. And to die simply is gain. Therefore, if I live, I will live my life in fellowship with God and with Him. I will live my life to please Him. And I will do for God what He has called me and empowered me to do by the Holy Spirit for Him. Not because I have to. Because I get to. Because I'm having fun now in Christ. I can only imagine how much fun I'm going to have once I get there. But this morning there are people who fear, who do not know the Lord, my friends. Those of us who have found ourselves and, and have hearkened to the call and the wooing of the Holy Spirit and have put our trust and faith in all that Jesus Christ has done, there's no need for us to fear. I understand apprehension, but fear not. You know, the Lord has taken care of it all. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. If I die by any means, I will consider it, Paul said gain. It's to my better. And I will not fear anything but God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for all that Jesus Christ has accomplished on our behalf. I thank you, Lord Father, that he has vanquished the enemy on the cross, Lord Father, and he has taken away the sting of death, which is sin. That, Lord, it is no longer an issue in my life or in those who believe. 
Even though the devil wants to come back and whisper in my ear that I'm not worthy. Oh, I know that I'm not worthy, but I serve the one who is. And he is worthy above all and has conquered all and has accomplished all on behalf of us. His chosen, his beloved. And we are so thankful this morning, Lord Father, for the victory that we have in Christ, for the ability to say to live as Christ and to die as gain, and to believe it, Lord, not just to say it, but to believe it. Thank you. We thank the Holy Spirit that he gives us the ability and the power to do so. Now, as every head's bowed, every person's praying, my friend, listen to me, those of you who are listening to me, let me ask you this morning, are you fearful of your appointment with death? Because we all have it. You know it and I know it. We all have an appointment with death. If you fear that, it's because you don't understand it. You have a fear of the unknown. But the Bible is very clear, my friend, that our sin has separated us from God. And, and, and if we die in that condition, that the only thing that awaits us is that place for which man was never intended to be, and that is hell. The Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for you, my friend. But God has, in his great mercy, made a way for you to escape it. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ who bore our sins on the cross, took our sins, and he nailed them to the cross, took all the things that were against us, and he took them out of the way. And he made a way for you to escape that and to be relieved of the penalty of your sin. There was a man in the Bible who simply asked the Apostle Paul one time, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. My friend, if you're living in fear today, trust in the Lord. Repent of your sin and ask Christ to come in. Do it this morning. I'm going to pray. You pray with me. It's simple. Just say this, Father, I come to you now. And I admit, Lord Father, that I'm a sinner and I am scared to death to die. Lord, I fear death, but I don't want to. I want to trust you for all that you've done for me, Lord Father. I ask for forgiveness. I receive all that Jesus has done on my behalf, and I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord, that I might live for you from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.